Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. Hi, everyone. Um, welcome back to another episode this week. We are interviewing the famous Mike Nouveau. <laughs> And we're actually doing something different because um, even though you won't be able to tell the difference listening, but actually I have Mike sitting next to me in my apartment in New York. And um, this is our first time doing an interview in this format. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, as always, we have Long Long and Daniel. And this is kind of like our first recording after Chinese New Year. So uh, once again, happy Chinese New Year from the Waiting List podcast. Um, Mike, they're really, you know, we don't need to have a long introduction. Combining uh, TikTok and Instagram, he has almost half a million followers. And you only started like what, during COVID to yeah, post? No, way after that, actually. I started the uh, TikTok in, I think, March or May of 2022. Yeah. And then obviously I've had Instagram forever, but I didn't really start posting videos on Instagram until more recently. Yeah. So definitely like one of the fastest growing uh, watch influence accounts, if not the fastest. And uh, yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thanks podcast. for having me. Yeah. I listen all the time, actually. That's very sweet of you yeah. to say. Um, so, I mean, if you listen all the time, then we won't go easy on you, really. Uh oh. But I will also, <laughs> we'll start slow. Um, so, for those people who don't know who you are, can you just give us a little background? Doesn't have to be watch related. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, my name is Mike Nouveau. You called me influencer. I don't ever use that term, really. I'm a I call you influencer yeah, that's because a, that's everybody a... calls you influencer. And I get that, like, people call me influencer and I hate it. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know if you hate it, but I, I do. Yeah, I mean, because... it's not a term I use yeah, myself. Yeah, Um. I, anyway, I'm a celebrity. No, definitely not. I'm a watch dealer, watch collector. <laughs> and I also am a watch content creator. I, I'm from New York. I live here now. Um. Yeah, I mean... How did you get into watches? I got into watches. You weren't into watches before. Well, like I, I, yes, I, correct. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't grow up with watches. I knew nothing about watches until I was like thirty, really. So pretty late. I no one in my family had watches. So like two years ago. Yeah, because I'm thirty two. I wish. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I only started kind of like researching and collecting probably in my late twenties. I didn't get like really my first real watch until I was probably thirty. Yeah. Um, so it hasn't been that long, but I'm pretty obsessive. So I kind of like really dove in head first, as I'm sure you, you guys can kind of probably relate to. Um, and I was a collector for a while and then I started buying and selling casually. And then, uh, right. Like, I mean, I teamed up with another dealer, but right before COVID and then COVID hit and obviously everything exploded. And now, um, you know, I didn't call myself a dealer for a long time, but now I'm a, I'm a dealer, yeah. a solo dealer, like an independent dealer. Yeah. And you actually recently started this solo business venture. Yeah, yeah. Just, about like one month in. Yeah, basically, I've been basically like completely solo uh, as in just like on my own with my own LLC, my own business, I, I, only a, about a month, basically. And and how is it going so far? It's going well, better than I even could have thought. And I, yeah, I mean, you know, it's an, an eventual move probably anyone who works with other dealers is eventually going to take. So yeah, it's, luckily it's been going well, but I have a lot of people supporting me and doing business with me thankfully and and do you think a big part of that is due to your online presence 
definitely a, a, a huge percentage because people didn't really even know I existed as a watch dealer before. Yeah. Um, really, it was the the videos that really like jump started everything. Yeah. Can I tell you like my first impression of you? Please. Before I even like you know, of course, knew you. I've seen your content, but I really didn't know who you are. Okay. And um, I was hanging out with our mutual friend Janet. Yep, love Janet in Europe. And your name came up and she kind of like impersonated you and it, get, it got me like a good laugh. And I was like, oh, I got to meet him sometime. And that's when like uh, Jenna called us to Thanksgiving and I was like, oh, Mike is actually coming. Oh, that's I didn't know that. That's so but funny. But anyways, her impersonation was you going to the Sotheby's office because you're creating content by yourself as well. Yes. It's not like you have a film crew with Correct. you. And you would like, okay, today I'm going to film this watch. This is how I'm going to film it. And then you're going to walk. <laughs> this is her. She's like, hi, my, my, my name is Mike. <laughs> yeah, I know. And she's like, you're crab walking into the office, like, like being really close to your I, face. I have to explain to her because she's not from the TikTok generation. So I have to kind of explain how this all works. Yeah. No, but that was the way she did it. It was so funny. And then I watched the episode that you did with Rich on the um, Asprey Daytona. Yeah. And I'm like, that's exactly yeah. what you did there. And you're like, yeah, oh, they, oh, Rich, like the they, principal's office. They kind of give me carte blanche there. I kind of can go in and do whatever I want. So yeah. it's, it's a good place to do con to make content for sure. And it's good access they give me. Yeah. Yeah, Dan. So I'm not on TikTok, right? right. So like, I don't really know what like uh, influencing or content creation goes there. Um, but, you know, I'll take your word for it that you're growing really fast and everything. Um, so what do you attribute to that quick growth to compared to other kind of uh, other content creators that are on that platform? Um, well, it's not just TikTok. So basically, I mean, it's Instagram too. So anyone who's listening who doesn't have access to TikTok, it's the same, the same, the same videos on Instagram. Um, I think when I started TikTok, which was again, not that long ago, there was really hardly any watch content on there. Um, and if there was, it'd be like, check out this million dollar, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, the world, the 10 most expensive watches in the world. Um, not, not that I haven't done similar content, content like that now and then, but um, I just, the first kind of series I did was watch spotting on the street where I would approach people on the street and ask what they were wearing. And they would tell me about their watch. And it was really like vintage focused Cause I, I'm really a vintage dealer. Um, and that's where it started. And then I got a huge reaction of people at first I wasn't even in the videos. I, people didn't know what I looked like, nothing. I didn't really tell them anything about me. And then people were like, Oh, I have all these vintage watches. I want to sell. Can you help me? Like, Oh, can, I want to buy this watch. Can like, how do you know if a dial is refitted? Like a million questions all at once. And I think people looked at TikTok as maybe like a very young audience. Um, and it turns out there's like a lot of watch people on there or, or there certainly are now, but it, you know, it, it just, I put a lot of effort into the videos. I post it every single day. The consistency helps. And uh, yeah, it kind of just popped off from there. So is it like Daniel Mack for watches? You know sort Daniel of. Mack? Yeah, yeah, I know who he is only because people say that to me. I didn't know who he was oh. before. <laughs> uh, it is sort of like that, but I do less of those videos now, but yes. Okay. So what are your video Mack? content more like now then? More informative, more like day in the life, more like come with me to this auction and I'm going to bid on watches. There's a lot of buying and selling on there. It's all, it's all real. Like it's all real deals. And if, you know, a lot, I have clients that I've met because of the TikTok or, or the Instagram 
um, and they want to be in the video. So you would think like, oh, this person's not going to want to be shown buying a $10,000 watch, but it turns out a lot of them have no problem with it at all. Mm. So, so is that kind of content like more hot than the quote unquote Daniel Matt content where you approach random people on it's, the street? It's different. Um, it's hard to say which, which is, which performs better. Well, those, those, the watch spotting videos have kind of like burnt out a little bit and they don't perform as well as they once did. So I don't huh. do as many of them. Mm. Um, I mean, I'll still do them, but now it's really more like a, a dealer life watch collector life like that's what and also like the new york aspect people seem to really like as well because i'm on the street in new york and I'm, there's a lot of random characters in the videos a lot of like unexpected stuff and it's you know it's all real film on the streets in new york i i really like the content um that's not watch related actually you know this life content where this guy goes to these old people i don't even I don't know what his name is but he goes to these old people and say what do you regret in life Right, yeah. right, right. Do you have yeah. for like young people, uh, I, and they're also you know shot in most of the time in the U.S. somewhere. Yeah. And actually, yeah. the back, like I'm, I'm, I'm not from the U.S. and I don't really go there that often. So, but the backdrop is nice. Yes, like it's, it's something like subconscious, mm -hmm. but it's nice to like have that. It does feel real. So yeah. I really kind of, and they're short as well. So you uh -huh. end up like binging on one one thing after another. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to know um, who told you to start this or did you just decide one day? I think people want to see this. I, I, had, I had a few friends because I was kind of in the fashion world for a long time. And I have a lot of friends that do like fashion related content. And a few of them are fairly big and they kind of pushed me into doing it because like they had their lives kind of radically changed because of this app. And they're like, you should really do watch stuff because no one on there is doing watch stuff and you know a lot um mm -hmm. so yeah a few and like i'm in a group chat with like 20 other like content mm -hmm. creators but they're all basically fashion creators and i do watches but you know there's some crossover sometimes mm. Mm. i see and you mentioned earlier you're mainly like mostly into vintage yeah why, why is that why give yourself that you know well i mean if someone wanted me to source them like a 5711 i mean i'm fine i'll do that too but uh, vintage was always the passion. I never collected really anything other than vintage. I started with vintage. It wasn't like, oh, I like watches now. It was, I like vintage watches. And what is it about vintage watches? Because most people don't start with vintage. Right. Uh, I honestly don't know. I, I just, I was just, uh, just what I was drawn to. Mm -hmm. It just seemed so much more interesting than, you know, modern stuff that could be produced like en masse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dan? So when you, when you say vintage watches, right? Vintage watches right now, because the awareness is like so high encompasses so many things right mm -hmm. but they're all different so mm -hmm. you know you've got vintage cartier vintage paddock vintage rolex for a start mm -hmm. omegas uh you've got vintage mavados and you've got different like periods you know when we talk about you know neo vintage yeah, now neo vintage for sure okay. yeah so when you say you're into vintage what are you into actually well, it started with like four digit Rolex, of course, which is kind of like the easy starting point. Now I'd say I focus more on vintage Cartier, still Rolex, also Breguet, Piaget, uh, Patek, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, okay. any, anything before 90s. All right. 1990s. So, yeah. So like, I, I'm kind of like back into interested in like uh, vintage Rolex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But specifically, you know, I've been looking at vintage subs for you. Uh -huh. What is the ultimate vintage sub? 
maybe a five five one three, a regular like matte dial five five one three, with like zinc sulfide. Why, why, why do you like that one? So I don't know. It just seems like, first of all, it's attainable. Right, um, yeah. it, there's something so vintage about it. Just the fonts, the simplicity, like a bezel fading. I don't know. I just think that really is. I mean, I love a sixteen eighty. I love a sixteen seventy five. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I even love like the six five four two, like the first GMT, which is like so vintage. Um, yeah. yeah. So, because you look at these uh, vintage Rolexes, right? And mm -hmm. it's really hard to stay on one piece. So, you, do you know what I mean? And say, yeah. I really like this one. I really like this mm -hmm. one. Because even though it's like a similar watch, you, I feel like the product offering on each, on some reference, is very different. Because oh, definitely. Because we're like in, innovating like the crown guards and mm -hmm. going to the more, what we think of the sub. And then you've got the no crown guards, which are oh, really yeah. like, Big crown, just, small crown, yeah, exclamation point dial, radium, like, tritium. And then you've got like the red on it. And I've always been like a purist and say, oh, I want a clean dial. I don't want right. a day. But then I look at it and when you can get a really good one, it looks great. You know? Yeah, I love a red sub for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could focus on just subs or just GMTs or just Daytonas. The other thing about Rolex is you could have one of each. There's not that many. If you want one sub, one GMT, one Daytona, one Explorer, one day date, one day just, you could do that. And people do. Yeah, I'm with you as well on like the 5512, 5513 on being attainable, mm -hmm. right? And then having like that vintage look, but still having those modern um, features mm -hmm. that we associate with them on the sub, right? And totally. Think, obviously, how clean it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm just looking and I'm thinking, oh, which one would I get and stuff, right? Yeah. I've already done it with the Daytona. For me, it's like the 6265. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I just settled on that. And uh, I hope, you know, I can get it. Like if it's attainable one day, I'll just go yeah. get it. But yeah, those are the pieces. Um, I have a question about the demand of like different vintage brands. Mm -hmm. So for example, every time something new is released, say Piaget now has that, I don't even know what it's called. Polo. Polo. Right. So do you suddenly see an influx of people saying, I want vintage Piaget? Yes. And previously it was like, so yeah. Okay. And how quickly do you see it die down? Um, what's funny is I recorded a video or two today with, um, I have a friend, Phil Toledano. Has he, you're friends with him, right? Phil, as in Mr. the second host of your Instagram yeah. and TikTok in a, account. He's, he's in a lot of my videos. Do you guys know who he is? Mr. Enthusiast. Mr. Enthusiast. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I, okay. I see him almost every day. He's in yeah. a lot of my videos. And I was joking with him because normally he's very ahead of the curve. Uh -huh. um, yet then they, this past week, they debuted the new Polo 79. Uh -huh. Tony Trena at Hodinkee put, put out like two big uh polo articles on Hodinkee. And yeah. then he bought one. I said, Oh, you're very late here. You are like, this is already almost washed. And you're now, now hoarding them. Normally you hoard them five years ago and then wait for them to build like okay. the latest or like the, the Louis Vuitton Monterey two. He's usually ahead of the curve. So I was like, Oh, this already feels a little bit washed. And now you're buying them. I think you're a little late to this. <laughs> All right. But, but he he's hoarding yeah. some peculiar stuff yeah he, he has some he has some crazy stuff i watched and, an episode where he was like unboxing the thing that he won from i don't yes. know what brand i think it's like a rolex there, there was a chopard there was a piaget there's a lot okay maybe it was a piaget with the diamonds mm -hmm. and then he was like you know i'm selling all my desirable watches to buy junk that nobody wants yeah also what's really funny is he was on an, he was on an early hodinky talking watches episode and i don't think he has a single watch still from that video <laughs> yeah 
Um, but you know, for those who know you, you're big on um vintage Cartier content yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. And you're wearing our vintage Cartier yourself today, which yes. brief sidetrack just broke a world record. Yes. Uh how do you feel? <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly still think I honestly still think it was a good deal. Yeah. There's so few of these. So for those listening, this is the the Cartier Cousin, Cousin, aka the bamboo, which I got for nearly nothing. I did a video of me finding it and getting it. Um, and then you know, one sold at Antiquorum for fifty five thousand. Or that Davidoff brought. Yeah, yeah. Sasha Sasha Davidoff bought it, and then people were like, "Oh!" And then articles came out about it after that auction because it was like such a huge jump for this kind of random Cartier. Meanwhile. There's probably ten times the amount of crashes exist than yeah. than this. Oh, 1991 crashes. Well, it just I'm telling you, every they, they only made this once, and they made crashes in the 60s. Then they made them in the 80s, the 90s. That's now they true. make a million special orders. I was with some people from the Cartier factory, and they said they do more special order Cartier yeah. crashes than they do production crashes. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So they made this once. They've never remade it. There's probably I don't know 200 of them or something. And I think it's I still and one sold today. I'd loop this for 67,000. And you see the backlash starting like oh like people are propping these up. I don't think so. No one's really hoarding them. Um. As far as I know, except for maybe Johnson in Hong Kong. I think he has four of them. We and um. He and you know I have this one. Sasha has one, and now whoever the winner at Louvre this has one. And if you needed one tomorrow, and you you were a billionaire and you needed one tomorrow, I don't know where you're getting one because there's none on the market. So I don't know for sixty seven thousand. I mean, I wouldn't sell this for sixty seven thousand. That's for sure. So when the Loop this listing first went up, we were in the office and yeah. we were kind of joking. We were like, "It's probably Johnson and Mike Nouveau bidding against each other." Well, it's funny. I, I looked at the bid at the end. You could see like bidder number one. Bidder, there was like four. There's four or five bidders yeah. over forty thousand. Yeah. Um, but I, no, I don't think I, I. I don't think it was it was Johnson. I'm not, I don't know who it was. I bet you it was a whole different player. I bet if I had to guess. But I have to say, the one that sold the condition looked insane. Yeah, it looked really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very okay, nice. Can I just ask something random? Is Johnson? Because I follow him, and mm -hmm. is, is he a dealer? Or is he a yeah? He's a he's a dealer. I think he has a website okay. now. I've done I've done plenty of business with him. Okay, I'd like him a lot. Okay, but not the Johnson that you're thinking of. No, no, there's one Johnson. Johnson. Like he goes to the Phillips auctions and he's like covered in tats, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my guy. Shout out Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, more on the vintage Cartier content. Why? Why is it that you find people are kind of i mean we've discussed this numerous times uh -huh. on the podcast but just to get your perspective what is it about vintage cartier that everything you post about it is just people just are drawn to it immediately well people do complain that it's too much like oh another cartier i started my video two days ago i got a i got the cpcp mono poussoir yep um which is a really beautiful watch which had a hype moment well before the rest of the the cartier hype in 2019 2020 it had it, it like went up to like eighty thousand dollars, and now it's like fifty. And that was before kind of the vintage hype. Um, and That's the watch I actually helped Long Long source. Yeah. Oh, really? I and love it. We got yeah. it for a superb deal. Yeah. But this was like right before it took yeah. off. Yeah. But I mean, it's right. an amazing like, it, it watch. It went up to like sixty, eighty. Yeah, yeah. It, it went really high. I was looking at the auction results, and then I did a video, and I said. Yes, it's Cartier, but wait, there's more because I people are like, oh, how about some Rolex or what? I'm like, most of the videos are about Rolex. If you look at the all the videos I've ever produced, it's just I really love 
vintage Cartier and I think I'm good at finding them and I know a lot about them. Um, and they're fun to talk about. And it's not like a Rolex where there's a million of them. Um, you know, how, how few watches they produced up until the sixties, like a couple thousand from like 1912 to like 1960, whatever. There's a few thousand made. It really is a treasure hunt. And there's also the aspect where you can maybe walk into a jewelry store somewhere and, uh, and you know, behind the counter, there's a tank and you're like, Oh, there's a tank. It's $6,000, but you look closer. Oh, it's a London tank. It's actually worth $30,000, but I can get it for this price because you know, nobody knows nobody and knows. you can't really Google what, if you, if you have a random submariner, anyone can Google what's on the dial and kind of figure out what it is and when it's from, you can't really do that with Cartier. So I think, you know, it adds a real treasure hunting element to it. And I've put a lot of that on screen and, you know, I, I really like it. And would you say it's like your most enjoyable type of content to create? Or I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say the most, I, 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 the, the content I like making the most are the, the kind of where I'm actually buying a watch and I kind of like win a little bit mm. or, you know, ones where I'm selling stuff. I, that's the kind of stuff I like anything real, like a real negotiation, like a real deal or me scoring big. Like those are the videos I like best. But yeah, I mean, I talk about Cartier because people ask about it. I have to ask you this question and then we'll take Dan's question. Do you find that you have a competitive edge when you're negotiating when and you're recording at the same time? Because <laughs> I'll, uh, before you answer, I'll yeah. tell you like why I asked that question. I'm watching you like negotiate at Miami Antique yes. Show where we both were at. Yes. And it just felt like having recording while on camera, the person's like almost too embarrassed <laughs> to stay like put with their offer and they have to cave a little bit. Well, I hope that's the case, but in reality, I don't film that many deals. Most of them I don't film, but the one in Miami, the one where I found the New York tank, that guy, don't, I don't even know if he knew I was filming. I was just filming as a customer mm. and they encourage you to film there because yeah, they want publicity. Yeah. The, the, the actual like Instagram account from the antique show was like, please tag us. We love these videos. And they're like reposting them. They definitely encourage filming. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Before you start, you kind of know the range of what you're going to get the watch for. Um, mm -hmm. And especially in that one with the New York tank, the guy didn't even negotiate. We just went back and forth and he was just like giving me a brick wall. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it. Um, so, you know, I did kind of like have to buckle a little bit in, in that example. Yeah. But yeah, I guess if I ran into, if I ran into like some coy dealer and was just filming, maybe he would feel like, oh God, I have to, I have to say yes to this deal. If it's on camera. Also, I, I feel like I'm, I will, I'm very stubborn when it comes to negotiating and I, and I can walk away pretty easily as well. Oh, uh, you can? Yeah. So, so you don't get emotional. I can, but I can also be like, that's it. I'm walking away. Hmm. Well, no. After Dan, I have a question. Dan, you can go first. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, next time, Jack, or all of us, you know, if we ever have a negotiation, just take a phone and pretend we're recording. Yeah, it's a good idea. No, I swear. <laughs> I think there's something about, I mean, I don't have proof of this, but there's something about negotiating, like while you're on camera, you want to be on your best behavior. You want to be likable and approachable. And you're like, oh, okay, for you, I'll... I'll do 500 well, or something. because you, you're, you're conscious that it might go public and then you have that reputation, right? But and I'm sure, so yeah, people you are negotiating with probably know, like the watch people. Yeah, the watch people probably. they do, but it, also don't forget, I get, I get final cut at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, get yeah. to kind of edit it how I want to edit it. Yeah, that's true. Mm. But, uh, my question was, well, it wasn't a question. It was more of a statement. Like when you talk about like vintage Cartier, yeah, Jack, come on. You, I think your, 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 your Instagram page yeah, is a big influencing like page Definitely. on like vintage Cartier. You and uh, Roni, 
like Gold, you, you're, you're, you're Roni is Roni and Goldberger are on a you're, whole other level. You're the, you're, you're the female Goldberger. Yeah, exactly. You're oh, like the godmother <laughs> of Cartier's. Oh my god! Imagine if that sticks. Like you could be the, the Chinese Goldberger. Goldberger. Jack is the the Gold. Chinese female. Yeah. Goldberger. Yeah. But then you gotta like step up your fashion sense. <laughs> yeah. No, I gotta. I gotta start tanning more. Yeah, he, yeah, he is a tan gentleman. And I, I gotta wear start wa- wearing watches like yeah. three fingers above my knuckle. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> like you know what? He, 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 he got me, he got me into the pigskin straps for vintage oh, yeah. party. Oh mm-hmm. god, what like I just ordered a, a bunch of new old stock ones from like the 1940s that I found online. Not Cartier, just like at whatever. That's insane. Yeah, because it's hard to find. Like Jean Rousseau, who I get all my straps from, they don't they don't, even, they don't even do pigskin. No, I don't know why. Uh, pig skin and sheep skin, I don't think they do as much. Mm. It's mostly calf and yeah. suede and, and exotics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. Lola, did you ask your question? Yeah. So, um, Mike, I know you made this video, like you went to Chinatown and there mm-hmm. was this like small little shop and then you found mm-hmm. this, I would say like a lady's tiny paddock with a yeah. Cartier bracelet. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of these in Hong Kong. If you just shop around the antique stores and they're like, tiny paddocks about 10k usd right and i've always thought well if i can find it it means that it's not special because it's not like i found something special it's just there and i've always thought should i just pick these up first because there's also tons of like tiny piaget's with the stone dials should i just pick it up and then keep it or do you think it's just there because nobody wants it i mean i I think yeah I, I doubt myself a lot too, especially with like auctions or something like that. Like, oh, yeah. no one else is bidding. Like, did, did I miss something yeah. here? Or yeah, this was sitting here. But if you know enough, if you can completely authenticate mm. it yourself, then yeah, I would definitely buy it. And like, if I, um, I bet if I went to Hong Kong, mm-hmm. I can buy stuff for my market that will sell instantly for a good profit, even though there's more watch dealers in Hong Kong than probably anywhere else in the yeah. world. Yeah, if I I could probably sell every single one of those Piaget stone dials, honestly, because I have a lot of people looking for them. Yeah, mm. and I think the good thing about Piaget stone dials is that they're, I mean, they're hot, but they're not hot enough mm. to have people to make counterfeits, right? Like, oh, uh, like the Rolex dated yeah, yeah. they just definitely, and also like most people don't know what they are, but collectors do, and I think even like the surface level dealers, like the Forty Seventh Street dudes, don't even know what they're looking no. at. So you could probably go and clean up somewhere. And I love, there's so much value. Like I always say, like, look at this amazing, like lapis tank style Piaget. Like imagine if this, if this had Cartier on it, it would be $50,000. Yeah. 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 I mean, just on, on uh, further to Long's question, you know, I've got quite a few friends or clients that do exactly that long. They go to these flea markets or the markets Mm -hmm. in China, sometimes in Hong Kong, and they look pick up these certain things sometimes they don't know they take t- sometimes they do take a bit of a gamble mm-hmm. and then they take it to phillips yeah take mm-hmm. it to us and literally our low estimate will be three four times what they paid for it mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. like a safe deal for them right mm-hmm. and that's happened and i'll just think so i've observed that and i mm-hmm. thought well that's that's not exactly something i couldn't do you know mm-hmm. it does take time though so you could go yeah. to thing you comb through like i i don't know how many watches it's a lot of watches right enough to make your eyes go blurry mm-hmm. and then maybe come away with just two watches mm. but your, your, your margin will be good 
Yeah. yeah. But it does take time. I would do that if I were in Hong Kong. I would do that every single day because that's what mm-hmm. I love doing. But people, people will DM me, random people will DM me like, hey, I found this in like a flea market or I found this in a, or a state jewelry store and it's almost always nothing. It's almost mm-hmm. always hmm. like it's rare if it's something worth pursuing in any way. Okay. Yeah. And, and in China, right? Because China's so big mm-hmm. and then these massive dealer meets and you've got like, so the main hubs, obviously, are like Shanghai, uh, less or so in Beijing because of how sensitive it is, but mainly Shanghai and maybe like Southern China. So Guangzhou mm-hmm. or something. But then you've got dealers that literally pack up their suitcases full of watches from like Dongbei, which is like the North part of China. Basically I'm talking about far out, right? Mm-hmm. But you've still got people that like watches there. And then you've got right. these random pieces, which they get in for dirt cheap that they would never be able to sell. Right. And then yeah. it's just basically take and they, they're just willing to take anything and they don't care about it they don't even know anything about it you know they're just and then it's just like what you said it's more like the pool of network of people you have they don't have access to a certain exactly. area and we'll never have <clears throat> and just even if we look at it that's more like we're talking geographically cross-country because you're in the u.s and you know if you picked up in hong kong but just in like china like Within China, within like Shanghai, people have got their small network of mm-hmm. like people, and you could get it from one place in Shanghai, and they, they would know. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's still it still occurs, and I, I I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now because I've got experience of it. But I I would I would have thought, oh, that's not going to happen. But it does, you know, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, go to Long's question. It, it does happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what I do. I mean, and other dealers who don't maybe have that network have been sending me watches for me to sell to my network. And they tell me, you know, they kind of memo them or consign them to me and they tell me the price they need. And, um, you know, I can usually sell them if it's something they don't have the network for. Hmm. Yeah. I had a, I had a dealer in uh, Vietnam and he was telling me like, he's got these like white gold pateks and he goes, Oh, this stuff sells in Europe so well. They love discreetness, you know, for here, it doesn't sound like you can right. pick it up for so cheap and every mm-hmm. straight away is margin, straight away is margin, you know? Yeah. I mean, so well, if you're not, if you're not afraid to hop on a plane, deal. then you can definitely make some money for sure. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm got. thank you. I'm going to um, Tokyo next week or in like 10 days for like three weeks. And I'm going to be definitely going to be hunting watches. Um, oh, you'll hunt a lot of watches there. Yeah. Where do so, people sorry, go, actually, like in Tokyo? I don't understand. Like, where are they finding this stuff? Well, there's so many stores. Like, we don't even have brick and mortar stores here in New York. There's like yeah. a, I have yeah. a, I have like a custom Google map that I put together like over the years for Tokyo. And there's like 150 yeah. watch stores. And also, I have some connections with wholesale, wholesale dealers. Oh. Um, there's Nakano Broadway, which is like the famous. Yeah. So yeah, I the, went to Nakano, but that's the thing. Like, I also made this whole Google map. Went to, like went to everything. Yeah. And. I was like, what am I looking at? Because it's just all the modern paddocks that are right. marked up. And I was just like, okay, cool. It must be just an experience and you have to know people. Right. Yeah. Typically, you're not buying yeah. something right at like Jack Road, but you know, all yeah. of, like there's little shops in Ginza. There's like, I don't know if you know that shop, Private Eye, which is like in the middle of nowhere, which yeah. has amazing yeah. stuff. There's a shop, Iguchi, yeah. which is also it's in like Kichijoji, which is like so in the Shaman. middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, that one's famous. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, I've been into Japan. Um, when's the last time I, I was like late 
late August, September. Yeah, late August. Must have been hot. It was very hot and humid. And I have to say, the shops that I went to and I visited before, mm -hmm. now I feel like they are at market level, if not above. Right. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just like the way I can find something on 47th Street, even though, even though there's 10,000 dealers there. Like if you have the market that someone else doesn't have, or if you know something about Cartier London that they don't know, not that in Japan they're probably going to know, but just like something like that, then that's all, you only need a few of those. You don't need 10,000 of those. And I do have some dealer connections there, and I have a few watches that are like waiting for me there. Um, but I, I don't have any doubts that I will find stuff there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dan. So like you seem to have like the whole of like New York on lockdown in terms of I know where to go and all this kind of stuff right but are you finding because I've seen some other YouTube videos of um dealers now going to Hong Kong and stuff has that mm -hmm. always been happening or are people like dealers now more willing to travel to ex exotic places like Hong Kong and and, and like uh, Tokyo potentially China and comb the markets and increase that reach I think okay, I think people have always been doing that. Now they're just documenting it and putting it on video. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I have no if I have no problem hopping on a plane to anywhere in the world if like if it's the if it's the right watch at the right price. I don't, I don't think they hit China yet because when I go to the markets, there's like literally no Caucasian people there. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, you have to bring me the language barrier and the the difficulties of like of like uh, you know maybe even coming into the country. Mm -hmm. barrier. Bringing yeah. stuff out. That's what but I hear is the hard part. A lot of stuff like on Instagram, right? The, the Japanese dealers will still post on it. They still have an Instagram account, right? Mm. But in terms mm. of how many Chinese dealers have an Instagram account? I can mm -hmm. like yeah. it. Right? That's it. Mm. So yeah, like you would like, at least you can go and make a Google list. Yeah. These guys aren't even on Google. Right. So true. Up, right. To find out where is the market? Like who are the dealers? There's, mm. There isn't that access to the Chinese dealers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to ask because we have a lot of people that like we have this constant thing about like Grand Seiko. Do you have mm -hmm. people asking you for vintage Grand Seikos? Not really. King Seiko, King Seiko. Okay. Okay. Thanks for corroborating us. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> so who, who, who wins that bet? <laughs> we do. <laughs> but uh, on the same on the same vibe, right? You did mention earlier how Phil Tonadana he seems to be really on like way above on the trend mm -hmm. right? what can you what do you think is to come up like mm. that is left undiscovered that people should pay attention to or unaware of um i don't i mean i don't know that there's anything truly undiscovered i don't think uh, my answer there's not there's not gonna be any i don't have a shocking answer i mean brigade and maybe even like 50s and 60s brigade um piaget for sure blanc pond um ebell yeah well i i don't really care about ebell but yeah people are really hyping up ebell um maybe like 30s rolex like older stuff maybe like bubble uh, backs and mm. you know rolex prints and stuff like that and like maybe like very old pateks like the one like yours that uh mm. that crazy one you have mm. But yeah, nothing, nothing that's coming up like like a like a heat seeking missile or anything like that. But you know, I just you know stuff that's maybe on the horizon. Who do you think sets these trends, though? Uh, I think I always say it's like people like Jacqueline and stuff. Like, yeah, you, definitely. Yeah, and she's savvy she's collectors. Be like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's people on Instagram. 
For sure. That's who it is. Because how else would you other people even know about it? Mm. I don't think that everybody combs all the everything in terms of like watches, like the way we do it. Right. I don't, I still think, you know, as an average mm -hmm. enthusiast, it does take a lot of time. So if it's easy and you've just exposed it on a certain page and like Jack, you photograph everything amazingly, you know, you package it up perfectly, even better than a brand. Right. In most mm -hmm. cases, once you have that exposure and you have some then people start talking about it and people are aware of it and then it comes like in, in the mainstream. But yeah, that's how I think it happens. Mm. on mm. that note like just a brief tangent i was speaking with our um like our friend dusik who we've had on to the podcast before mm. he um you know was one of the first people i met when i got to new york and he was one of the 12 people to mm. get the simon Brett mm -hmm. subscription which mm. we've also interviewed simon uh, on our podcast mm um shameless plug if you didn't know go back to listen but um he was telling me like never has like neither did simon nor like any of the 12 people um nor really like the community expect mm -hmm. that once these 12 people got their watches you know they they went to i mean it was documented they they went to simon's um atelier they picked up themselves and just 12 people through their own instagram accounts mm. kind of created this no doubt you know well, it's also 12 of the right people uh, exactly yeah. Yeah. all of the right people yeah. like james totally. uh christian christian uh dusik um mm -hmm. forget who else i mean i feel like i've seen i know I've seen all of them i feel I like know their, i know their instagram handles better i, I don't know their mm. like actual yeah. names but you know people with i mean there's James with like a big following to people who don't have like a huge following, but they're known in the collector circle mm -hmm. and people mm -hmm. respect their opinions. And it, it was just like caught on. Totally. And I think and it was also the right place at the right, the right time. And I think any upcoming independent watchmakers, like. But the, of course, like the watch being fantastic. To yeah. The, with, yes. The, like, that, that goes without saying to, yeah. like the, the, the burner on, is that what it's called? The Berneron. Yeah. Berneron. Mm -hmm. That looks awesome. I think if he sold that to just, 10 or 15 people and it was the right 10 or 15 people um i think he would have a decade of pre-orders and I, that's probably how it is yeah, for small bread i'm yeah. sure like with those 12 people he could probably sell a thousand watches i bet he could have given those 12 watches for free yeah and he could sell so the unofficial yeah. unofficial official word is that he's sold out for like the next 10 years yeah also um chef, chef dead red cheppy red chap's brother apparently yeah. is already like Session after se session is spoken for already. And I don't know if he even has a functioning watch yet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's, it's a lot of hype, obviously, also. But it is cool. You can't say that they aren't cool watches. But, you know, they mm -hmm. saw what happened with Jorn and everything. And now they want, like, what can they get in on the ground floor of? It's like Bitcoin. Like, first you mm -hmm. have Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is like Jorn. And yeah. then, like, you have all these shit coins after it. Not that <laughs> watches are not. A, I would love to own any of them. But it's like, really, now people are like, okay, yeah. some people just made, like, 10 million dollars on their Jorn collection like i yeah. now i'm really gonna have my eyes peeled for what the next best thing could be and if it takes me buying 10 independent watches if one of them hits it'll pay off it's like startups mm. like you get yeah it's one like a startup yeah it's like an ipo yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I iwo initial yeah. watch off right? <laughs> yeah. i think it'll take, it'll, take, it'll take some time right i think like uh richard mill you know those those you know became very investable yes. 
And then like the next one, probably you're right, is Jean. But, you know, you're talking about quite a still a lengthy time between something where it was truly a different product, product offering. Plus, it did take time even for FP Jean to be to be totally. what it is. Well, I, it I think like, we all knew about FP Jean, but it wasn't wasn't like like we knew that it was going to blow up, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's like Bitcoin. Bitcoin took uh, took years and years to yeah. be worth a dollar and then years to be worth a hundred than a thousand. I mean, you know, it was 10 years before it was on the news really, you know? So, I mean, you know, yeah, Jorn and Richard Mille, they had their time to brew and now the new guys, they don't even need to brew. They already have like the, the, the drooling masses waiting to like to pounce. Having said that, Chevdet, Sylvain, anyone out there who wants to give me a wash, I'll happily promote it. (laughs) I remember when I first met Sylvain um, in September last year, he was telling me how, you know, um, he was fulfilling the orders for the uh, second fiscal year. Uh And now he's like, I don't know, sold out five years in advance, yeah. something like that. He was sold out three years when he totally yeah. when he came onto our podcast. So he's probably a lot further down now. Also, think of how many watch collectors there are, and think of how many wealthy watch collectors there are, and then think of how many how many designer how many watchmakers are truly desire like twenty. There's maybe twenty mm-hmm. names. I mean, there's it's, there's probably not even enough supply. I mean, if you have ten thousand millionaire watch collectors how many dufours are there how many like you know how, how many journs how many uh acrivias are there's not enough so like there's mm-hmm. probably enough demand to to you know enable a hundred new independent watchmakers starting today even each of them doing mm-hmm. 50 watches a year mm-hmm. like the, the the demand is insane actually did you did you do anything like the reporting on the louis vuitton independent prize after the award? No. No? What, what are you it, talking about? The Acrivia thing or, or what? No, no, no. The one that just happened? The, the thing that just happened. No, wait, who won that? Raul Patience. No, I, I, don't, I didn't really follow it. I saw that he won, but I, didn't, I don't know anything really about it. Yeah. Why do you ask? No, I was just thinking like if you looked into it, if you were like interested in what they were doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love, I mean, I am into indies. I just don't really own any. Um, and if I also, the other thing, even if one of these guys were like, okay, we'll give you one from the first mm-hmm. subscription or whatever, like I can't pay 50 grand for like mm-hmm. a, a brand new watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even if, even if they came to me and said, oh, we have number one with your name on it. Well, maybe in that case, I would maybe make it happen, but like, yeah. it would be very, very difficult. Yeah. Can I ask you a random question? A... Yeah. What kind of customer is like the most annoying that you hate working with? Tire kickers. Um, <laughs> the customer that um let me think I, I i probably have i probably have a good answer here somewhere definitely the tire kickers um the it, it's like that meme there's the meme where if you're selling like a hundred dollar item the customer has four thousand questions if you're selling a ten thousand dollar item they just say why are sent and that's it <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean I, I don't know i mean i appreciate anyone who's interested in purchasing with me or doing business with me of course um, but sometimes yeah. you can tell if someone's going to buy something or not. And, yeah, and yeah, also yeah. like low ballers, tire kickers. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I would put them as, I don't put them as tire kickers, but I just people say people that are unrealistic. Totally. Like, like please have an idea of the realm of this watch before you yeah. Yeah. ask the price. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like they'll say something and I say like, yeah, the market's not that though. 
And they was like, no, 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 no. I know the market. And it's like this. And then I'm just like, no, you don't. Like, well, any, anyone, anyone using Chrono 24 as a comp? Yeah. Like, exactly. Take Chrono 24 and subtract 40%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they, they'll exactly do that. They'll say, oh, they'll look, they'll literally, <laughs> their, 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 their way of knowing, right, is looking at Chrono 24 and then kind of come up with an average price. I mean, like, if that was if it was that simple, I mean, everybody would know market price, you know, for sure. But it's just like, and I like tell them, no, 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 it's not. And it's like, and then they think that, like, I'm trying to take a bigger cut, you know, of course. And also the ones I that are the ones that you see online are the ones that are sitting unsold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those those are the ones that are not selling. So why would I pay that price? Or, you know, you know what I mean? Very true. Mm. Yeah. So mm. I, I find them kind of like, but I still like act courteous. And I just think, okay. Well, with those, I always think, okay, I'll just because they're never going to sell at that price rate. So right. I always think, eventually, you're going to realize that. Mm-hmm. You know, you you exhaust all your channels. I mean, there's a reason why you're asking me because you can do it, right? Exactly like, right. That easy, you know. So, and I also feel like, yeah, like have to, do have to respect that the fact that that person who is doing it for you is offering some value because if you could do it, you would do, you would have done it yourself. Hundred percent. So don't come up to me and say like. Oh, you know, like and be bullish because the fact is you can't move it. And if right. you were serious about getting cash, you know, then yeah, that's what I. Think. Yeah, and there's value in being able to move a watch quickly. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, exactly. quickly. And keep the money I mean, moving. Especially like those ones which say, like they want to flip, right? They don't want to get caught, and then they like think they got all these demands and they still want that high price. I'm like, you you can't like you you're asking for all these caveats, right? Yeah, and you don't want to pay anything for it. Totally. Yeah. Do you know what I also get, do? You know what I also get a lot that's very amusing, and, and I like. I don't think anyone's ever gotten me with it. So whenever there's like a small auction somewhere, and you know, anytime there's a small auction, you have your eye on. You think, oh, maybe I'm the only one who sees it, but that's never the case. <laughs> like especially, especially with Cartier, if there's like some small, yeah. if there's a rare Cartier in some small auction somewhere that's kind of like off the radar. The hour that it ends, as soon as it ends, I have ten thousand texts. Did you see that? Like, were you watching? Were you bidding? We were all bidding. Blah blah. But what I get now is, I just won an auction um, at a small auction house, um, and the the whole week prior, three different people sent me or DM'd me just oh. the photos of the auction, being like, like mining, mining for information. Like, Hey, what do you think of this? You think this is real? And I always say, I never comment on other sellers watches ever. So it, it, it ranged from, Oh, my, my grandfather has this. Is it worth anything? Is it real? Can you authenticate it? I'm like, Oh, I can authenticate it. So you can try to bid that in the same auction as if I don't know, or they'll be like, Oh yeah. Oh, wait, is- they say my grandfather. Yeah. This has- is my grandfather's watch using these auction photos with no watermarks. But yeah, this is my grand. I'm like, Oh, cool. Set it, set it to 310 and send me a picture of it. And then I'll let you know what I think about it. Uh, it happens a lot. Like people really think they're sneaky. Um, yeah. yeah. And you know, especially, especially those ones which are basically trying to, they themselves are trying to find that market price. Oh, so absolutely. They, they, they want, they want my yeah. knowledge, but they don't want to yeah. give me anything for it. Yeah, of course. Exactly. And in, yeah. in my bio on Instagram, it says no consultations via DMS. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not going to do work for a stranger. You know what I mean? If you're my friend mm-hmm. or another dealer, then definitely I'll advise. But like for a random stranger, like I do not, answer dms where like require like with for my labor for free i just don't do it unless mm-hmm. like i really see a situation where someone's about to get hurt or screwed then mm-hmm. then uh, you know i'll help but like 
if you're sending me an auction list, like sending me photos from an auction list and pretending, <laughs> pretending it's yours and you think I'm not going to know, I block, those people get blocked. I should, I should really put it, put them all together and do a video about it. You should. Yeah. Wait, I, I have a question. What's like the sickest watch someone offered you via like DM or TikTok or like an online platform? I mean, in terms of just sickest watch, like people have offered me the, the Tiffany 5711 or saying, oh, I, do you know anyone, you know, like that stuff like that. And um, someone, oh God, let me think. In terms of stuff that I could realistically get, it's hard. I get a, I get a lot of cool stuff in my DMs. And on, the bad part is sometimes these people disappear. They, I'm, I have to like abide by dealer code and like some random person with their grandfather's watch does not. So I can make a deal with someone and I could be about to wire them. Like, actually, you know what? I want this much instead. Like a dealer couldn't do that. Or, you know, and, and you're, or you're talking to somebody for a week and then they, they just disappear. Like that's all that happens mm -hmm. all the time. And it's very, very annoying, especially if you get excited about something that you're going to buy and mm -hmm. then they just disappear. Yeah. What is dealer's code? Um, it's just like once you like once you make a deal, once you say deal or mazal or whatever, it's like set in blood. Like there's no breaking it. You can't go back. I mean, it, it Even really. If you change your mind and like circumstances don't work out, as the as the dealer, yeah, 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 absolutely not. Like really, I mean, if, if you're if you're just dealing with a friend, maybe they'll let you get away with it. In one of the mm -hmm. dealer chats, and any you are gone for one one thing like that, you're gone for sure. Um, it happened to it happened to a mutual friend of ours, um, where the dealer who was in, from a different country, but a you know seemingly a legit, a legit dealer with like a nice Instagram page, he offered this person a watch. They said, okay, let's make a deal. He gets the watch in the seller because he didn't have it on him. He gets it in. He's like, actually, you know what? The price is going to be this, and. What? our mutual friend kind of raised hell and got this guy kicked out of every group from every, every one of his contacts got him kicked out of every group for reneging on a deal like this. For all we know, the dealer, our friend could have had it pre-sold, you know, and now they can't deliver because this person is trying to renege. And then I think the person made it right and everything was made well in the end, but yes, it's taken very seriously. So I kind of have to abide by a, a dealer code, but an end user does not, you know, mm -hmm. someone who's trying to sell a, a one watch that their grandfather left them, they can do whatever they want and there's no re mm -hmm. repercussions for them. Wow. Yeah. Well, that went on too long, <laughs> way better That's than fun. I thought. And we didn't yeah. go through half of the questions I wrote. Well, you want to do a quick fire. <laughs> we, can, we can do it. No, yeah. no, we have to do, we have to do um, the reversal room. Okay. So um, it's your turn to ask us each a question. Okay. By the way, before I say like, we've never done this before, like with a guest sitting next to me, maybe that's why we didn't go through, like it just went on naturally, like on a tangent. Maybe. Um, um, okay. So I have a question for you. Yeah. You can start with me or you can, okay. with you can all answer this one. What is a watch that seemingly everybody loves that you hate? Oh, and nothing, so nothing obvious. Don't, don't, nothing, nothing obvious. Oh. Not like, not like a brand new sky dweller or something. Oh no, but I'll, I'll go first. Cause my answer hasn't changed since I think the start of this podcast. And then people write to me and they're like, I have this watch. It's like, okay, fuck you. But, um, I never thought the 5711 was that great. Okay. I can understand why it's like, versatile. <laughs> it's very comfortable, blah, blah, blah. And it's a lot of, it's a grill for a lot of guys, but, um, I think it looks really good on a specific type of person that has gone through a lot of um, paddock dress watches and needs one genuinely for the weekend or whatever. Right. 
but to wear it in a suit in Hong Kong when you're going to work and everybody has one, it just like yeah. seems weird. No personality, like okay. And yeah. for the same price, you could probably have a. I mean, same market price, you could probably have a thirty-seven hundred, which yeah. I would rather have any day of the week. Yeah. Who's next? Uh, well, yeah, I had trouble thinking of one. So, but on the back of what Long Long said, I was immediately just this 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 particular model came up to me, and I thought it's that one, right? Which is mm -hmm. right now. It's got to be the Royal Oak. Mm. It's like, honestly, I'm a bit sick of looking at that watch mm -hmm. on Instagram. On Like, oh, my God. Like, because it's a, such a big brand, but that watch is just associated with that brand. So without that watch, right? It, yeah, it's a one watch brand, basically. Yeah, it's a one watch brand. But it's the same thing. <laughs> like That's so over. good. And I, can't, <laughs> and I can't get over the fact people are like, because I oh, so hot, check this out. You know, like this is the best watch. And literally, you've made it in a different ceramic color, yeah. or you've just changed the dial color. Like, and there's like a trillion different ones. And like, yeah. like, and like any of the limited editions, you're like, oh, there's only 200 of them. I'm like, there's only 200 <laughs> of a, a new Royal Oak every single week that they make. And I just think, like, you only really, we've said this on this podcast, you only really need one, right? Mm -hmm. But the way now, is even if you did have one, the amount is posted on, on Instagram. Again, I would attribute that to AP success on marketing, right? Right. It's getting into the especially more like lifestyle. It's just everywhere. And but I don't just you think, think it's Instagram though? Because if somebody collected like Stella dials, you're not going to be like you just need one. I definitely will be uh, like you can't stop at one. <laughs> I actually, think, I mean, I, I think there's obviously been a Royal Oak backlash and the market price is yeah. way down on a lot of them. I actually think that they're almost ready to come back again, to be honest, like 502s, the 5402, the original Royal Oak, which is one of my favorite references yeah. ever. Yeah. Like those have taken such a huge hit that I I, I want to start buying yeah, them up. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I I think at the end of the year, it'll probably be very, very ripe to, to, yes. to go into some of the really, really nice ones. And it's interesting to see if, um, you know, you've seen a lot of the more modern stuff, but mm -hmm. like the better the vintage stuff, how much that will come down. And the 5402s, mm -hmm. you know, they have come down, but I'm talking about like um, the open perpetual stainless steel, right. you know, whether mm -hmm. that will not hold as well. I, I right. do think that will come down, but I don't know how, but by yeah. what degree. I actually love the weird QP combinations. Like they still really do it for me. The yeah, I love the tantalum. Rose yeah, Tendulum's cool. Tendulum and Rose Gold, yeah. Open I mean, like that is that for me is like the ultimate. Yeah. I think that's got mm -hmm. no problem at all, you know, keeping its value. But I love that kind of piece. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Jack. It's so hard because I feel like I don't want to say I'm burnt out, but ever since I started at Phillips, I'm just seeing so many watches that I like I went to like I I I really craved myself but i was like yeah it's a really good watch and then now mm -hmm. i've seen so many of them I'm like that doesn't do anything for me so like i wouldn't i wouldn't use the word that i hate or i don't like but you know just the standard right lane seikos and uh watch all the hate dms coming. Mm -hmm. I, well i mean people already know just like yeah. they don't do anything for me personally right and i know mm -hmm. that a lot of people love them right mm. um for the mechanism or whatever but I, it just doesn't do anything yeah. for me there's a lot of a lot of kind of brands like that i mean what what do you guys normally say about seiko is that the one you were laughing about seiko or grand seiko or what no seikos well we like, generally have to, well just fill in mike like we 
basically long and i mm -hmm. have been trying to like grand seiko right you know we appreciate what people say about it um but we just can't do it no yeah. it was like it was like we were talking about grand seikos and we understand why people love them yeah and why they're such good value props and then we're discussing it and this one of us asked so why don't you have one right or like why don't <laughs> any of us have one well, like well what i usually say which people are not happy about is that like if rolex sports models were readily available nobody would mm -hmm. buy grand seiko <laughs> like you're buying a grand seiko because you can't get generally of course there's going to be a million people being like are you crazy i love grand seiko anyway mm -hmm. and i have 14 daytonas fine but i think like yeah. probably grand seiko sees a huge sales boost because of the lack of availability of Rolex. And of course, Tudor and Omega as well. I, mm -hmm. I think, um, well, I put it down to the value prop marketing tool. So basically saying like, look what you can get for this kind of money. Yeah. When, you know, the other brands are doing, isn't a factor that ca I care about when I right. make a watch purchase. It right. doesn't mm -hmm. stimulate me. But I appreciate mm -hmm. that people that are looking for value Right. Yeah, that it appeals to them, and then I right. think, therefore, I think we all kind of know vintage, like no, Grand Seiko collectors are a particular type of Definitely. person. Do you, do you know what I mean? Of course, hundred percent. And, and I, one, I know? think the the best. I I would rather wear a Seiko than a Grand Seiko, to be honest. And I think like the mm -hmm. SKX. 007 is one of the best values in watches. Period. They used to sell them on Amazon for like ninety bucks. And they're mm -hmm. they're amazing watches. Like that's what like I would buy that any day of the week over a Grand Seiko. To be honest. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next question. Next question. Oh, there's more. Oh, is that your <laughs> I mean, that's fine. how many do you want me to ask? Yeah. I mean, it's okay. Um, I can I can think of more. <laughs> okay, ask one more. All right, hold on. Let me think for a second. Um, We've what is brands on this podcast, man? On this single episode, what did you say? <laughs> We've just burnt so many brands. On the I know you're definitely not going to have any sponsorships after no, this. We don't, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How about how about a, a watch that you you may have, I feel like you may have asked to talk about this before. A watch that you purchased that you regretted. Oh, it never gets old. I already. I mean, we can answer for each other. I feel like I already, already, already know. I already it. know Dan's answer. Your biggest wa watch regret or or getting burnt worse. I feel like Dan's answer might be the Omega. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah I guess I, I asked a, I asked a washed question. Yeah, you definitely got that one right. Yeah. The Omega Speedmaster. Yeah. Um, I appreciate, you know, that it's an iconic watch, but you know, the one the modern iteration still with the Hesselite dial is um it's just way too big for me, mm -hmm. right? And it just doesn't work on my wrist. Having said that, you know, I still just on the a few episodes ago, if you gave me a like a CK2915-2. I, I would love that because right. it fits my wrist way better. And I prefer like um, the small different design cues, like the broad arrow and, mm -hmm. and a little bit of patina. I, I, I still, something that I think is consistent in um, like the watches I like, I do like icons. I do like yeah. the historic representation of a piece in history. So I appreciate that, but at that size, at thirty-seven point five, mm -hmm. I think it works way better on my wrist than forty-one, right? And because it's a thick bezel as well, it, it's it just makes it look even bigger. 
So I tried to like it. I bought it, but I never wore it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll go next. Yeah. For, for me, Okay. it was like the Ponyuma Daytona. Really? Yeah. Huh. What? Which Ooh. one did you have? I had the black dial Ponyuma 6239. Okay. And um, it, there was just like a lot of things going on with the watch. Um, I bought it when I wasn't educated well enough. Right. And I definitely, um, You got a clunker? mm -hmm, Mm. I definitely, definitely did that. But before I realized there Yeah. was a period of time when I was very much enjoying the watch. Right. And, um, but even then, like it was during COVID, I was back home in Vancouver and nobody had ever stopped me on the street for like seeing a watch on my wrist, but someone stopped me for the Paul Newman Daytona. And that was the first time I was like, whoa, like it really is, I mean, an icon, but it's noticeable and it could be dangerous. Um, and that's why I was like, you know what, let me think of parting with it and then realize that something was wrong. Right. Yeah, well. And then it spiraled and it was long story short, I ended up getting my money back thanks Oh, good. to, thanks to, you know, help from friends and Dan helped me. Um, You tell me who it was afterwards. yeah, I'll tell you afterwards. Um, but <laughs> that's like a regret. well, at least you were able to get out of it. Thank God. It Yeah. took a while. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, I couldn't really think of anything, but um, I guess more recently. <laughs> yeah, because like, I don't really think it's a regret. It's more like, okay, I just like, had bad taste. But um, there was definitely a time in my life where I thought you wear something to make yourself cool. So I'll buy like oversized RMs when really, I should have just looked at my size and been like, okay, yeah, maybe you don't really like very feminine things, but you should buy things that fit you. So I bought like back then they had like RM29 and I don't even know the reference that's like a rectangle with Uh. the fabric and it's just like now I look back it's like why and then when I explain the story to RM I just look like a crazy liar who's like I bought these by mistake but who buys the RM by mistake so it's like but now I truly understand like just stick to the 07s like just be realistic look at yourself in the mirror
Um, <laughs> God, that's don't so say like. Um, that's so tough. God, I don't know what watch would it be. It it wouldn't be a thirty nine forty. I wouldn't trade it for it. Would have to be like. Have to be more be more special than that. Has to be more special and more yeah. valuable. To be honest, I value this even mm -hmm. higher than like the auction today. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Maybe something crazy from Cartier, some Cartier London, something crazy. I don't know. How about the turban? No, it doesn't do it for me. You know? No, it doesn't do it for me. Because it's quartz? Uh, no, are they all quartz? The, so the unofficial official, the unofficial official story is that they, I mean, like, look back to when they were made. They were made right. during the quartz era. Um, But our, you know, Sotheby's, the one that sold at Sotheby's isn't, quartz but interesting i i don't think i even thought about it actually the rest were quartz okay huh um no but that watch quartz or mechanical didn't really ever do it for me i love this i love this in tray obviously i love the crash but i think i can get one of those eventually yeah um god i, I honestly don't know no you really like it that, no i really do I, I just value it really highly yeah honestly I, i'd buy another one if i could find one for a reasonable price yeah or the white gold one yeah that one's insane Goldberger has one. Roni also has yeah, one. Yeah, those probably that would be the only two that exist, maybe. They probably got it for like what 10k back. Yeah, it could have been even mm -hmm. even less. Ah, oh, good old days. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Tune in Bye. for the next one. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to the waiting list podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at The Waiting List Podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.